and welcome to TV My Husband Hates. I'm Kat Sims. And I'm Regan Kempton. And we are reality TV addicts. Addicts, uh, aficionados. Ooh, I like that. Experts. Experts. Basically, we know our shit when it comes to reality TV. 100%. Hello and welcome to another week of reality TV watching with TV My Husband Hates. How are you doing this week, Kat? I'm doing okay. We have had um, the heat wave from hell, but it's finally broken. So now we've got constant rain. It's one or the other. (laughs) We've had the most... It's ridiculously... We've had the most ridiculous thunderstorms. Like basically hours and hours of just thunder and lightning, which is amazing and I love it. Yeah. But where's where's just the happy medium? Like it's August. (laughs) Where's just 24 degrees mild sunny where's that it's back in june it is it's back in june well (laughs) fuck that shit no here's been ridiculously hot we have massive wildfires going on right now in the mountains because it's been so dry like we would kill for some rain right now i-70 is shut because of the fires we can smell it from our house which is a decent amount away from where the fires actually are um so it's not good here Oh, man, they're not going to come near your house. Oh, no, you've got that massive, wide expanse of no trees. You'll be fine. Yeah, 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 no. Like, the fires very rarely come, like, even close to us where the mountains are, like, where we live in proximity to the mountains. But um, we were in Glenwood Springs just a few weekends ago when we did the hot springs. And, like, right now, their canyon's on fire. So, like, the highway is shut down there. I have some friends that live a little bit closer but still in the mountains, and they can't even see the higher-up mountains Oh my because God. of all the ash and the smoke in the air. I mean, we can smell it here when there are wild when all the fires are going on in California. We get it in Colorado. You can smell it in the air. Hang on, you can smell the California fires in Colorado. Yeah. Shut the yeah. front door. Like that year where they were really terrible and like California was essentially on fire for a while. The winds sweep it. Like you can smell it in Colorado. That is mind blowing. Yeah. So anyway, so needless to say, we can definitely smell them when the Rockies are on fire. So we're thinking about the people in the mountains. It's a very scary thing, I think. Oh, well, compared to that, my weather corner info was a little bit bland. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I'll do better next time. We would kill for those thunderstorms right now. I'm going to need like a bit of reprieve. I'm going to come prepared with like plagues of locusts next time. (laughs) I think that's the only thing that can beat literally forest fires well i mean forest fires on top of coronavirus on top of we've got a presidential election going on right you know soon it's all hitting the fan i mean listen there's a reason i'm drinking a gin and tonic by the way it is 9 p.m here we um yeah you know so that's legit but even if it was 9 a.m i wouldn't want any judgment for my drinking thank you very much um no but yeah i mean we have no judgment here I mean, listen, the other thing is, obviously, you're, I'm feeling a little bit jealous of Reagan right now because um, in America, school is back in session, essentially, and at least one of your children are off your hands. Yes, he's in full-time school. He started, Friday was his first day. We'll see how it goes. I mean, I'm hoping for the best, but preparing to homeschool a little bit this year if we need to, but... So far, so good. Kids oh my God. all kept their I masks on. I can't even think it about that. It was all that. good. I can't even think about the fact that 
they might not be in school. Do you know what I mean? Now that, because ours is like, they're definitely in school in September. And our school that my kids go to has been fantastic about yeah. getting everything in place. They haven't, right, as soon as the government said it's open, they're like, right, we're open. There was no fanning around. But the thought of um, them coming back again actually sort of feels a bit PTSD to me. I feel a bit like anxiety attack coming on. It's almost worse. Like it would almost be fine if like they just all didn't go to school. So you were just like, you knew that's what was going to happen. So like now that I've had like a view of the reprieve, it makes it almost scarier to have to go back to well, yeah, like because having them home all the time. There was novelty at first, right? We were like, oh, yeah. I'll be the teacher. You'll learn some shit. But now we know what it's really like. And <laughs> yeah. that novelty wore off a long time ago. Honestly, I feel a bit like if I didn't, even see my kids until 2021 i feel like that would balance it out that would balance out oh, 2020 yeah. yeah 2020 has been a year fuck me it's it, like way to end my 30s <laughs> oh yeah our final <laughs> yours year. too but you know what it means it means that the year of our 40th is going to be exceptional Let's hope so. I mean, the U.S. could have a whole new president, a whole new people in power. I mean, there's a lot positive that could happen in 2021. A lot of potential positives. It could also be very depressing. I was about It'll to say. It'll go either way. It could also be worse. <laughs> not that I'm a glass half empty person. I'm really not. I'm always a glass half full. Yeah. Uh, but I think 2020 has shown us all that... Um, no matter how positive you are, sometimes it's just really fucking shit. Yeah, sometimes you just need to be in the it's very shit place and just ride it out. True. Well, as lovely as this therapy bonding session between us is, <laughs> um, let's chat about the shows that we've been watching this week. And um, first up, we've got Real Housewives of Potomac. I love that this show is back on air. Like, this is bringing me life to... 2020. Me too. I have Thank to God. say, I really love it. And I think that it's one of the first franchises that's kicked off right from the start. We've got drama coming out of our yin yangs. And first of all, first up, we've got Karen and Ray, who may not be the most explosive drama right now, but I feel like this could be cut, but it could like be a slow burn. But something has gone seriously wrong between Karen and Ray. Yeah, I mean, to the point he's not even telling her he loves her anymore. Like, she's very vocal on screen about, like, you don't say those three words to me anymore. And he knows what they're talking about, and he does not say it. And it's not like, it's not like she's not talking about, it's not like she's talking about it obliquely. She's being really clear. You do not tell me that you love me. He's like, yeah, I, I doesn't say it. I mean, that. I there was a part of me that thought maybe Karen was being a little dramatic or a little bit over overly sensitive about things. But if my husband refused to tell me that he loved me when I basically begged him. Yeah, I'd have to consider that there was a serious problem, too. Yeah, I wrote down, like, I wonder if this all has to do with, like, the power dynamic changing between them. Because, obviously, he was older when they got married. He's always had more money, been kind of the earner, been, you know, 
that traditional man of the household and held that power in their relationship for so long. Well, I think now that he's retired, it's kind of setting in that she's younger than he has. So she still has, you know, maybe a couple decades of earning power through the reality TV franchise and like the things that come with that. And I wonder if that's putting a real strain, like when the power dynamic changes in a relationship, I think that can put a real strain on feelings and emotions if you're not ready to kind of, cool, this is a new, like, this is a new phase, let's move on. I don't know if Ray is at that point yet. Well, and also let's remember, he's of a completely different generation. Like, you know, we're lucky to be married to husbands that support our journeys and and recognize us as kind of valid equals, especially right. not just in kind of the marriage, but also in a professional and business sense. Um, but even my husband's come up against, well, like we've come up against stumbling blocks in terms of the time I spend doing my thing and the terms that, you know, and how much time he spends. So I can only imagine how hard this is for Ray. And I'm not, Ray's not a bad guy. We've seen him. He's not a terrible human. So this is something that he's struggling with. And I think that you're right. Um, but we'll see. And, and hopefully he can figure out a way to reconcile this new reality without feeling emasculated or without feeling undermined. Um, but the worry is that, that Karen will kind of check out before then, right? That she'll be like, well, look at me. Now I'm super independent. I'm still looking fly for however old I am. Um, do I need to be around a grumpy 70-whatever-year-old man if I've got my own empire anymore? That's what Ray's in danger of. Absolutely. And I think probably Ray retired and thought he and Karen would just be retired. They don't have kids at home. They would just like be together. And that that's not where Karen's at in her life. She's not in a retired mindset. And I think that's going to be an interesting thing to see play out and see if it can be resolved. And you know what? It always comes down to communication, right? Like if that's how he's feeling, um, it's really easy to not have that conversation and to just get resentful and quiet. Um, but I do hope that they talk about it. Maybe I'm, I'm excited about them talking about it because I, I love this stuff where it comes up and it's like real life shit, you know, because this is a shit we totally. all deal with. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting to watch people work through that real life shit and see if they can come out of the other side. Because I feel like, I mean, for at least for me, that's why I'm drawn to reality TV. I, I'm drawn to it for the drama, yes, but also for like the real life situations and having those chats and seeing people kind of come through the other side of them. And it'll be interesting because I definitely think this is a dynamic we haven't seen on any of the franchises before. So, yeah, I'm here for it. Well, and talking about real life um, shit, I am here for Ashley talking about breastfeeding now i have absolutely no doubt that you and and i individually could go off on a monologue about the fucking shit that needs to change surrounding the concept of breastfeeding a hundred percent and watching ashley struggle and get a lactation consultant in and i'm sure that there are some people that are like a lactation consultant like what the fuck is that but let me tell you if you are struggling with breastfeeding, it means that you are in extreme pain, that you are suffering a fever because often mastitis is a thing and, and mastitis right. feels like flu. It means that you've got cut, chapped sli- nipples that look like you've gone at them with a fucking bread knife, blisters, bleeding, 
at that point, let me tell you, you will find the money to pay for a lactation consultant. You don't have to be a real housewife. I, we paid for a lactation consultant and we didn't have a, pi- a post a post to piss in, a pot to piss in. <laughs> um, but seeing this on TV is so good. I 100% agree with you. I feel like the only way you even make it through your first year of parenting is throwing money at the fucking problem because you have no fucking idea what you're doing. Everything hurts. Everything's confusing. Nothing comes naturally to anybody ever. No. It's all, everything is a struggle with that first year. It's a struggle to sleep. It's a struggle to put them down to sleep. It's a struggle to breastfeed. It's a struggle to whether or not you give them a bottle. Like everything is a fucking major life decision when you feel absolute shit. Yeah, and the great thing is that we're not seeing a mum that's like nailing it. And that's nothing against mums that do nail it because some mums do. And totally. That power to them. But I'm going to be, I'm going to hazard a guess that not many just nail it first time round. Like not many. Not their first. Not their first time round. Get through it without struggling or losing their shit in one way, shape or form. And it's so refreshing to see Ashley kind of want to breastfeed but also really struggling. And then the lactation consultant, I really loved her too. I did too. I thought she was amazing and way more realistic than maybe some of the lactation coaches out there because I had a couple different ones because some would just think that I wasn't trying hard enough and that was bullshit. Or that it didn't matter how much it hurt, that you just had to keep going. Like if I was told one more time, just keep going, it's best for the baby. I'll say here and now, my postnatal depression, hands down, was largely down in part to my kind of initial experience of having a kid and breastfeeding was central to that. It was all I thought and talked about, right? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I know for me, my first experience of it was awful and terrible and didn't work right and it never worked right. So we went to the bottles fairly, fairly soon because I just couldn't cope with it. My second go around was a lot easier, but I kind of expected it to be really shit. (laughs) I had very low expectations and for some reason it just worked. And I think it's just honestly the luck of the draw. I don't think I really did anything differently I don't know. I think I just knew where to set my expectations. So with that's, the second one. I think that's the difference, right? It's not for yeah. me. I, my story is the same. Breastfeeding for me first time around was, was horrendous. Second time around, I breastfed 10 months, no blisters, no cracks, nothing. Absolute nothing. Same. And I will tell you, it was because I'd learned a lot. I knew more. I was less harsh on myself. I, I didn't set myself up on these ridiculously high standards. Um, And I just hope that if people watching Ashley do that and maybe listening to this podcast now on their first go round can go, do you know what? It's not the end of the world. It's going to be hard. It doesn't matter if I don't make it. I think taking the pressure off you makes everything much easier. Absolutely. Don't do anything. Also, I asked for help second time round. Yeah. You ask for help. You don't feel like you have to have everything cooked and clean and have your nails done and the house done. You don't need to do any of that shit. No. For a good eight weeks. In fact, all I did you can. for the first two weeks was lie in bed, naked, eat Chinese takeaway, watch shit TV, and breastfeed my baby. That was it. That's all I did the second yeah. time round. And that's what worked. And because I wasn't... Milk doesn't come in if you're stressed or anxious. No. It doesn't fucking work. Whereas I just was like, fuck everybody else. You do you. I'm not doing anything for two weeks. Yeah. I just want food brought to me. 
My feet massaged occasionally. I'd like you to hold the baby every now and again so I can have a shower. But otherwise, all I needed my husband to be was like the gatekeeper. Don't come near her. Just bring her Chinese takeaway. Leave her fucking to it. Absolutely. Set shit on the doorway and go. Don't expect to see us. Don't expect to see the baby. We don't give a shit about you guys. This is how we're taking care of our tribe. And I think having the balls to say that definitely for me came around the second time around, not the first time around. Um, and that, that made a huge difference. Me too. Me too. Absolutely. Um, so I'm loving that. The other, um, the other like little, what's the word I'm looking for? Little bonfire that a slight little flame has just been set underneath is these rumors surrounding Monique and, um, that, that Charisse has been responsible for kind of fanning the flames of. Now, when Monique's asked in interviews what the rumours are, she's like, mm, I'd really rather not talk about it. Go figure. Uh, when uh, Giselle is asked, she's like, okay, here's the tea. Yes. So essentially, she's been accused of shagging her personal trainer. Yeah. So Charisse has apparently put the word on the street that Monique was shagging her trainer it got real messy in Monique's household, as you can imagine. And those are the rumors, because she was playing very coy last episode. This episode, we finally hear it. And to be frank, like, I'd be pretty pissed at Charisse, too, if she said it and it wasn't true. Even if she said it and it was true. Yeah, it, whether it's true or not, it's not Charisse's place to be fucking no. talking about it. Um, especially, like, we're going to come on to this, I think, in Real Housewives of Beverly Hills as well, but... Yeah. I know these women sign up for this shit. I get it. But, you know, if there's things that are at risk of really damaging marriages, kids, that otherwise, like if if putting it on TV exacerbates it, I feel like there's a moral line there somehow. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Like it's nobody's business what's going on in in their in their very real i mean all these people have very real lives outside of this show yes they're filming for ages and a lot of that stuff is crossover but at the same time if someone's marriage is really in trouble like they need to do like they need to take care of that they don't need everybody else's opinions on it like that that's real life that's not just there for drama i mean if people have had affairs then you know, they deserve to get caught out in the normal way rather than be caught out on national television. I, I kind of feel like, like, I'm here for reality TV, but I don't want to see a family destroyed because of it. That being no. said, um, Monique, obviously, denial, it didn't happen. Whatever, does it matter? I don't care. They're still together. It's fine. Um, right. But you're saying that perhaps Sharice is into this because she's angling for more TV time. Yeah, I mean, you, when you and I talked about it and you're just like, well, you know, maybe maybe the rumors are true and that's why she said it. And I'm like, well, fair enough. I also feel like Sharice may be a little thirsty. Like, she used to be on the show. This gets her kind of back on the show, but not with, like, the pressures of being on the show. I mean, like, let's be real. You want to be, like, a friend or, like, in the middle of some hot drama on these shows because you're not really risking your own personal life on a day-to-day basis, right? Like, you can pop in, you can pop out. It's no, kind I mean, of a you know me, spot. I want, I don't want to be a friend. I want to be a cast. Like my dreams yeah. are made of reality TV, but I understand your point. Definitely. Um, and speaking of new cast, well, speaking of castmates, we've got a new one. Yes. Miss Wendy. I love her. I am a little bit scared of her. I think she is going to be fire. 
Hell yes. Because I think she's real enough to like call people out on their shit and ballsy enough to do it. Like that shit doesn't matter to me. Like I'm a fucking professor at Hopkins, like kiss my ass. And I love that that's her attitude. I think she's going to bring something really interesting, fun and smart to the group. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't wait. I was going to say, I'd be interested to know what Johns Hopkins thinks of this. Like, I can't imagine Johns Hopkins are like, great. What we need now is more exposure on reality TV. Like, I'm, I'm interested to see. She's going to have to keep her nose clean, right? I think yes and no. I oh, mean, universities she's got, are... St- she's got tenure, though, hasn't she? Possibly. I think she does. Also, universities are businesses, At the end of the day, we'd love to think they're all about the higher learning, but they are about getting people to go and spending that tuition money. And this brings them kind of publicity, right? In some way or another, like people who love her, maybe like, shit, she's fucking bomb as fuck. I'm going to go to school and get like taught by an amazing woman like that. I mean, I I hear you. I do hear you. But I also feel like if my kid came to me and said, I want to go to Johns Hopkins because I've been watching Real Housewives of no, what we watch? Yeah, Potomac. And um, there's this woman on there and she's A, so I want to go there. There's a part of me that'd be like, knock your heads together, go and look at some fucking prospectuses and like make a proper decision. Yeah, but I mean, John Hopkins has such a long standing. I was about reputation. to I mean, say, like, it's not going to do shit. If your kid was like, I've made the grades to get into Hopkins, I'd like to go. You'd be like, fuck yeah, let's go. Yeah. Like, make, you know, ne- go make that money after school. Yeah, go nail it. Um, I like her. I think she's sassy. I think it's interesting the comparison between her having just had a baby four days after. On my her kid's baby, her kid's baby is my birthday. July, oh, it's your birthday. July twin. the twenty. It's my birthday twin. She just had a baby, and exactly the same time as Ashley. And it's so interesting to see the difference. Like she's hers is baby number three. Ashley's is baby number one. Like Ashley, this is the first time she's left the house. Wendy is like already bossing life yeah yeah but that's what happens when you've had multiple kids you know what to expect your expectations are different and you know and i just want to say to anybody who might be listening who's just had their first baby this is absolutely as bad as it gets like yeah it like it's so it's so much better the second time around i can't say the third but i imagine it's easier the third it's not, this is just because nobody's properly prepared you and because society set you up for a fucking fall. You're not a shit person. You're going to do not really well. Just a little. Absolutely. Heads up there. We're here for you. We're, we're here for you. <laughs> if you're breastfeeding, bottle feeding, how, you know, shoving a carrot down its mouth, whatever it is, we're here while you do it. Um, and speaking of kids, we've got chats between Candice and Chris about whether the time is right to start creating mini thems. This is probably the first time I've had a lot of respect for Candace in this show, to be really frank. I really respect the fact that she's taking a really long look at like motherhood in general, like not just popping out a kid because it's the time to do it. It's the really thinking it through, like, can I be a good mother? I didn't have, like, the greatest, you know, mother. I mean, we saw her mom, like, hit her, you know, hitting her in the head in her, you know, 20s. I, I think it's a really interesting conversation. I mean, my answer to her would be, like, you, you have no idea what kind of mother you're going to be until you're in it. And it can either be totally different than the way your parents did. It can be a blend. Like, you figure it out along the way. I had the exact same hesitations with having kids on whether or not, like, I'm mom enough to have a kid. Because I'm not, like, the mommy type. Me neither. 
but you, yeah, you just figure out like your own way. So I really liked that that conversation was included because I think that's real. Like you really go through those struggles. Not everybody's just happy to pop out a bajillion kids. Some people are, and that's fine too, but, but again, it's, it's not another, everybody's experience. It's another example of how society's fucked us over. Like as far as society's concerned, there's one version of motherhood. That's it. Yeah. If you're not baking cookies and running them to after school classes and fucking build, you know, baking cakes and all the rest of it, then you're not a great mum. And it's just bullshit. But also going back to Candy Candice, um, I think it's a different Candice we get in this conversation, like, because this is the real Candice. And I think this is the right. point at which you see that her relationship with her mum isn't just a storyline it is really damn it has been really damaging um and and i think everything else we see from candace is is kind of an act and it's bluster and it's all it's it's a storyline but this is real i think these are real feelings that she's feeling and i feel for her on that it's not something that i've necessarily um experienced not because i should not be i guess because i just didn't you know, I just didn't really think about it. I just thought, oh, well, now's time to have a kid, so I'll have a kid. God, maybe yeah. I should have been a little bit more self-fucking-reflective. <laughs> um, but I, it's just a different Candice. The Candice we see in this conversation with Chris is entirely different Candice we see at the dinner at the end of the, the programme, you know? It's nice to see totally. this one. Yeah, I think if we saw more of this one, I'd be on like more Me on too. board with like Team Candice because I do think she can be thoughtful and introspective and you know real and still funny and engaging but um not super bitchy and that's kind of nice to see it is well and talking of her bitchy side uh we finish up the episode with uh the dinner that they throw for ashley the coming out dinner um god love ashley <laughs> like <laughs> we all know what we all know what we're going to talk about botox in the butthole Botoxing the butthole, which I never knew that that was like part of the treatment plan for a really bad tear. Um, I thankfully did not have anything like that happen to my nether regions. It was one of my fears about having kids. Did you have any stitches? Times. I had a couple because both of mine's shoulders were a little funky, <sighs> but um, nothing like, no. like maybe like a one or a two, like nothing beyond stage two. And I think what she's talking about is like a stage four tear. But basically just, two holes become one. Two holes become one, which just made <laughs> There's me There's a Spice feel... Girls song about that, isn't there? <laughs> made me feel so bad for her because like I could not even imagine. Holy fuck. <sighs> I mean, my. But I also didn't know Botox like fixed that kind of stuff. Botox, That's great, right? Everybody has gets a real downer about Botox. I've never done it, but let me tell you, I'm not ashamed to admit that as soon as I have excess cash, I'm going to try it out. I'm not saying I'm going to stick with it forever. I'm going to yeah. give that puppy a try because there's a reason fucking people are doing it, and I don't mean to be rude. I know some people overdo it. But a lot of these women that we're looking at look pretty fucking good for their age. Hell yeah. I, I'm here for a piece of that if I could afford it. A hundred percent. Like I, I would give it a go. Like if I had the money to right? give it a go, I'd give it a go and try it out. It's like, I know there are a couple of like beauty, like this is totally off topic, but a couple of beauty bloggers that I follow 
that maybe have it done once a year. It's not overdone. They have great like face, like they do shit to their skin, which I wish I could be that person that would like maintain that all the time. One of my lifelong dreams when I grow up, (laughs) but like they really take care of their skin. They only do it once a year and it looks fucking phenomenal. Me too. My very good friends who say the same thing. You don't need to do it every three months. You literally just need it once, maybe twice. If you've got a special occasion coming up a year and go in gently it's all you need. Light touch. Listen, there's going to come a moment touch. when I earn my millions and we're recording these, uh, uh, these, these things. Because the podcast. podcasts. Uh, <laughs> and you're watching it on YouTube and all of a sudden I turn up and I look 12. And you'll hey, know. I mean, I hope, I hope we both do. If you become like a multimillionaire, you're going to throw, throw a sister a bone. Same with you. That's, that's our friend agreement right there. I'm there with you. So after all the Botox and the butthole chat, we really like get to the nitty gritty of this dinner, which I thought was lovely that Monique and Giselle got together and planned it. I think that shows their friendship has really grown a lot. Um, But Candace gets a little bit called out with her friendship with Cherise and she plays stupid about the rumors with Monique, which I don't think she played off very well. No, I mean, you could see it on her face. There was like this sort of slight, very gentle smirk yeah as if she hasn't heard these rooms i mean as if and it's just foolish like almost just own it to say well listen it's not my problem i'm friends with sharice i'm friends with you you guys have your beef you need to fucking deal with that i would have had more respect for that i don't believe that just because somebody's got beef with somebody else that you have to get involved like no not your problem but Candice is definitely pulling some fucking strings and Monique's definitely very sensitive about this. Um, so I can't see this ending well. I mean, also, we're coming off the back of Candice being really cunty to Ashley as well. Like a super cunt. I mean, I don't really know why Candice took it upon herself to be so... I don't know if it's judgmental or just bitchy about the whole thing, but she really took it to a whole nother level. I'm try- I know I've written it down. I'm trying to think about what it is that she called her on the day that she was born on, uh, the day she was in birth uh, on Twitter, but it was something awful. Um, yeah. And everybody's in agreement not- that she needs to apologize. Right. And, and they're trying to force it at the dinner, which I kind of get, like you're all together. You really just want this issue put to bed. It's like, just, apologize and move on that's all anybody ever wants but candace like flat out refuses like she's not going to apologize in the table setting right to give her credit she does say i don't feel like this is the time but ashley i'd love to sit down with you and talk about it which i can respect then the other girls are like no you should do it now you know what maybe she should but if that's not her way then let's let her be um so I think that's, but I think her, the way that she's dealing with this Monique situation is just really shows what kind of person she is. Well, exactly. Cause Monique and Candace were friends this whole time, right? Like there's been nothing wrong between the two of them. They've all been good. So I think Monique is going to be a little shocked at maybe how deep all this stuff goes. That'll be my prediction. Me too. And I I don't think this is going to go away quietly. I think this is going to be a big rumble in the Potomac jungle throughout this season. Absolutely. 
while we've got you here, we'd love to talk to you about our brand new Patreon account. Woohoo! It's all the extra content that is not only about reality TV, but all the other TV that we happen to be watching. And if that wasn't cool enough, we also give away a little bit more about ourselves. So there's lots of personal stuff on there too, if you want to get to know us better. So head on over to patreon.com, search for TV My Husband Hates, and all this extra content can be yours for less than a cup of coffee. Or a glass of wine. Whatever you choose. Which now brings us to Below Deck Med, which was a spicy, spicy episode. I mean, this season of this show is really bringing shit out. It's brilliant. I mean, thank God. Thank God. Because otherwise, what what else would we be doing during lockdown? Um, Yeah. Okay. So, inevitably, as was predicted... Tom, Malia's boyfriend, gets made head chef. Well, not head chef. Yes. The chef. Um, The chef. I like him. I like him too. And I like that he is kind of playing it cool coming in as well. Like, he just wants to get in the kitchen, clean it all up and do it. He doesn't slag off Kiko. Like, he's just cool. Like, we can knock this out for two weeks. I'm cool with this. And I'm sure that there's... I mean, there's an element of me that like relates to him. Obviously, he's British, and I genuinely yeah. feel like he's somebody that would probably end up somewhere somehow very six degrees of separation. Do you know what I mean? Like, so there's a like a yeah, personal yeah. connection. But he and I think that this is a really good relationship for her. I think it feels really strong. And as much as I, for the first time, have questions about Malia and her behaviour on yeah. this boat. Um, I'm really happy for her because I feel like this is it. I feel like this is a good fit. A hundred percent. I really like the relationship between the two of them. I don't necessarily like how it's, I feel like we, we are seeing a new Malia this episode and I don't necessarily know if it's a good side to her. Like, I think they're great and their relationship is perfect. I don't, really like what he does to her on the boat like just having him around because I don't think it's Tom like he's not the one telling her to do all this stuff she's just doing it and I feel like it's not a good look well it's interesting because I can't wait to hear what you think about the room switching debacle we haven't talked about this so this is new but I have a feeling that we are going to be on the same page and I don't think it's the page that a lot of people will be on but tell me what you think I I understand where Malia's coming from. Like, they're a couple. They want to be in a room together. I 100% get that. If they were hired at the beginning of the season, I would say, of course, they room together. However, there's only two weeks left of this charter. Mm-hmm. I don't believe the entire boat needs to switch uh- around to get Malia and Tom in the same room. I fucking knew we'd be on the same page. I knew it. That's a lot of upheaval for two weeks. It's a lot of upheaval for two weeks. I think that Hannah makes a really good point. Bugsy and I are working together great. This is not a great relationship. It's too much. And and on a professional... She's making this decision on a professional level. On a professional level, I do not think this room switching is the right thing. Malia is like, it's personal. We're in a relationship. I can't believe you won't move. Bugsy's not comfortable with it either. And Malia's still pushing it. Yeah. I think for two weeks, they could fucking suck it up. 
they could just go have sex someplace else. Like, it's not like anybody wouldn't just turn a blind eye to, like, the two of them going into it. You know what I'm saying? Like, the two of them could go into a room, do whatever they want, and come back out. Right. That's fine. I really applaud Hannah for handling this the way she did because I think it was the correct way and I think she could have gone batshit crazy and she didn't. I think she was like, look, just like you said, she and Bugsy are really trying to get along. Like, it's an effort for both of them and they both are like, it would be too much if we shared a room and I think that needs to be respected. I think if two people are telling you that's going to really strain the relations on the boat, Malia should have just listened and been like, you know what? You're right. You guys really, you've put forth a lot of effort. I want to continue this good vibe. Like we'll figure it out. It's fine. I could not agree more. Also, it puts Jess and Rob in a really weird situation where they now have to live together and they've just been messing around for three weeks. Yeah. Like, they're not a real couple. No, it's weird. Like Jess says, I mean, I know it's, I know she kind of makes a joke out of it, but the, I mean, those rooms are tiny. I wouldn't want to yes. share a bathroom in that room with a new guy that I just, no, I wouldn't. You don't want to, I mean, you no. don't want to poo in there no. and like be with this dude who it's just been like hot, sexy, fun time all the time. No. You don't and want then, him to see your single secret behavior. You don't want to be curling one down in front of him. But also while we're here, Sandy handles this fucking terribly. Like, I don't know. And what this the is, hell is going on? This is kind of part of the reason that, fu- that is fueling this conspiracy conversation. Because Malia yeah. goes straight to Sandy and she's like, oh, Hannah won't change. And blah, 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 blah. Without even discussing it with Hannah, she gets on the radio and says, just to let you know, Malia and Tom will be sharing a bunk. Make the changes now. And, and Hannah's not even on radio. She's, and she's made no. it clear she's not on radio. I think that was absolutely disp- like M- Malia fine like whatever but for a captain to behave like that yeah. was awful. I I would be really interested because um there's been a lot going on about like on social media about this entire episode and Adrian who is the chief stew in the very very beginning with Captain Lee she's like the brunette one she came on and she was like it was so unprofessional for Captain Sandy to get involved in that because actually the bosun is not like the bosun and the chief stew are not on the same level. She put up like a whole chart of like the hierarchy of the boat. I'll find it and we'll repost it. But actually the first mate is like the, at the same level of the chief stew. And we never really see the first mate on the show. We only see the bosun who actually takes orders from the first mate. So like Malia is not at the same level as Hannah and the captain should not be messing with any of this stuff. Like there's been a lot of backlash about how wrong this was handled from people who are in the know. Like I will talk a lot of shit, but I have no idea like what the hierarchy and where all that plays into it. But well, and Man. I think this this like little click that's growing between Bugsy, Mal- well, certainly between Malia and Sandy, and I'm sure that Bugsy is implicated, but I don't know how right. strategic she is within it. Um, also plays into kind of the big bombshell that this this episode has, which is of course the discovery of drugs on board 
drugs on board, which I was expecting something way more major than like a CBD pen and some Valium. I'm going to be really honest. Like I expected cocaine and I mean, I sort of wanted cocaine. I wanted some smack, a bit of Mandy, you know, something that I could really get my teeth into. I mean, Valium (laughs) and CBD is kind of, I mean, it's sort of- She just wants to relax. It's kind of a staple. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. But apparently- Having done some research, which I know is shocking for this show, um, there is quite, well, not quite, there is very strict maritime law about the use of drugs on board. And even though the Valium is uh, prescription, um, because it is mood, not mood altering, but like it can render you incapable of doing some shit. Right. um, Even prescription drugs have to be monitored, known about, declared to the captain so that the captain is aware of when she is or not, when she is on or not on these drugs. That obviously hasn't happened because Sandy is shook when she receives this information. Um, I thought it was a CBD pen. You're saying that Malia said it was a weed pen. That's two very different things. I totally agree with you. So I don't really, I don't know if we'll get the whole story next week. I watched Watch What Happens Live after this episode and Bugsy and Malia were on it. And Andy asked specifically, because I didn't even catch that it was Malia that had texted Sandy. I don't think we saw that in the episode. Um, But Malia said she was the one that did it. My problem with all of this is Malia has been in a bedroom with Hannah since the very beginning. She has known about these things from the very beginning, I'm sure of it. Like, well, and Hannah's talked about Valium openly. Like, she said, Oh, totally. God, I need a Valium. Like, she's talked about this. And yes, okay, that could yeah. have been construed as a joke. Um, right. And so I'm sure my, she hasn't handled it perfectly. But carry no. on. My whole deal with this is it seems incredibly retaliatory behavior on Malia's part because. If you really wanted to stick by the thing, you probably saw this ages ago. You should have turned Hannah in ages ago, but you didn't. You held it back, and then the minute she crossed you and made you a little pissed off, you've dropped this to the captain. That's, even if the behavior is wrong, I feel like doing it in a retaliatory fashion is just as wrong. Well, and also, even if, let's take it all at face value, let's say this is the very first time that she's seen any of this. Surely... As a friend and a colleague, you can go to Hannah first. And even if it's just to say, I found this, I have to report it. I'm really sorry. Absolutely. That didn't Absolutely. happen. And I love Malia. And I and I know that she's capable of that because we've seen her get it right so many times. Yeah. She didn't get it right here. She got it wrong. No, no. This was a very, very wrong episode. <laughs> And it made me feel for yeah. Hannah because I have to say, Hannah, I like, I, I sort of love her, but she's hard to love, right? You totally. do want to just shake her and go, fucking hell, I get it, babe. But just more on the inside, yeah. less on the outside. Um, but she was, she, I think she was screwed over here. And, and I really, I feel for her. And I think Malia needs to look very carefully at how she handled that situation and the motivation yeah. behind it. Because I feel like she's let the personal become business. And it's not a good look. Not a good look at all. Especially when you're like, I mean, I hate to say this, especially when you're a strong woman and you're kicking ass in a male dominated field. Like, I think 
it's almost on the onus of the woman, which it shouldn't be, but it is to like make sure that you're not crossing those personal lines because that's feeding into like a stereotype, right? You're pissed off at her because she won't let you do things with your boyfriend. So now you've done this bullshit. It's just really disappointing. Well, and also like we owe our sisters more than that. Like she could, she should just have given Hannah the respect of saying, this is what I've seen. Can you explain it? Maybe Sandy knows about it. You know, she doesn't know. She just went straight to Sandy. And we've seen her do that a number of times now. And I don't like it about her. No, she actually spoke to that on the Watch What Happens Lives. And she was like, if there was something I could do differently now watching it back, I went to Sandy too many times with oh. things that I should have just handled on my own. So it's really interesting. I, I Like we've always talked about, I find it fascinating that people can kind of watch their behaviors and like learn from them and do something a little bit differently because they're on these shows. And it'll be interesting to see if that's the way that she takes it. But... Well, this is one of the shows that I always look forward to pressing play on. So I'm more excited than ever about next week's show. But let's quickly touch on Million Dollar Listing LA, which is remaining in the lineup for now, but I'm not 100% sure for how much longer. If If Frederick carries on, maybe, but right now it's hard. It's really hard. Um, I mean, I can still enjoy it for what it is, but it's a hard one to talk about on the podcast. But I feel like every time I feel like, okay, this is the week we're going to drop it, something pops up. Like, so this week, this totally what I thought that we were going to have a chat and be like, we're going to drop it. But then this week, we see a play for Zach, the developer, who if you're a longtime watcher of Million Dollar Listing, both LA and New York, you know who Zach is. He develops amazing properties. And David and James, like, are kind of his dudes in L.A. Frederick's his dude in New York. But now that Frederick is in L.A., Frederick is feeling a little bit territorial. But you know what? This is why I love Frederick, because I don't actually believe that Frederick really thinks that they should have put him on the listing. I don't think he thinks that, because he knows full well he wouldn't have done it the other way around. I think he's just pushing their buttons. I think he's just fucking... Starting out some shit, making them a little bit nervous, throwing a few like fireworks into the fire and just seeing what happens. And I'm going to call it, I have no doubt that Zach Valor will go to Frederick eventually because when you compare James and or David to the powerhouse that is Frederick, love him or hate him, there's no doubt he's a phenomenally better real estate agent. This is Frederick fucking with them. It and totally I think he is. does this because he knows it's going to mess with them and they're going to mess it it's all up. So he's like, I don't even have to be on this listing. It's going to come to me because all I have to do is mess with these dudes a little bit and they're going to fuck up the entire and thing. And listen, I hate to like betray my country folk, but watching like this six foot four Swedish, you know, godlike man towering over them while they kind of (laughs) cowered like at one point they were kind of cowering in front of him while he basically just fucks with their head knowing that it doesn't matter he hasn't got this listing who gives a shit he's gonna get all the other listings we know it he knows it James and David don't yet know it bless their cotton socks but they're gonna find out This is my problem with David and James in a nutshell. I feel they cower to everybody. They cower to people who think their houses should be worth more, so they take them at the higher listing and they don't sell them. They didn't stand up to Zach when they thought his place was overlisted. They cower and they they don't... 
exert that they're the expert in what they do. And I think that leads to a lot of fucked up shit, a lot of houses not selling and a bad reputation for them because it's like, well, why would you want those dudes who aren't confident in what they do? I'd fucking take Josh Altman over them any day of the week. Any day of the week. I mean, I'm starting to love Josh Altman. Me too. I have almost more than Josh Flagg. (gasps) Oh, Whoa. I am. There is something. I still don't like his wife, but that, whatever. Yeah. But Josh Altman, there is something ultimately super magnetic and charming about him. And I love the deal he does this week is fucking brilliant. This house is on the market for 23 million finished, but even not, I mean, it's not $7 million away from finished and he still gets it for like under 16 million. I mean, that's a great fucking He's brilliant. I'm here for Altman. A hundred percent. But that's who you want, right? Like you want someone very confident in what they're doing to make you feel comfortable about selling at a certain point, right? You don't want these people to be like, oh, well, I guess if you think it's worth this, then that's what we can list it. Like, fuck off. Do your job. Well, that's it. I love the people that are like, nope, that's not what it's worth. If you want me to do it, I will do it. I'll sell it fucking, I'll sell it for you. But I'm not selling it for you at that. We always respect those people more. But James and David, I hate to say it, they're so fucking British. Such we are we are a nation of people pleasers, and it's imba- it's embarrassing. We need to just <laughs> we need to be more American in this and go. No fucking way! It's not fucking happening. Fuck off. Right. But uh, anyway, I'm literally ruining our chances of ever getting an interview with James and David. But I can't not tell it how it is. I can't not tell it how it is. No, I mean, I I think ultimately, like, I just what it comes down for me is. I'm not even confident in their abilities to sell houses. And I'm just watching the show. Me neither. I'm with you 100%. Um, Let's move on to Beverly Hills, where we pick up in Rome again. And the Denise conversation continues. Now, one of the things that we start off with this episode is seeing Denise and Lisa Rinna kind of go head to head at the dinner table. And this is a friendship of 20 years. Yeah. Now, do you think that Lisa Rinna went in too hard on Denise at that dinner table where she was like, stay or go? I think the delivery was too much, but the message was fine. Like, honestly, if you don't want to be here, go. Like, There's nothing more ruinous for me for a trip than being with someone who doesn't really want to be there. It's like, well, then why did you come? Like, you're just making everybody miserable. Go home. And that's fine. Like, we could still be friends if you go home. You're just not into this. Just go. I think shouting at somebody across the table (laughs) in a restaurant, just go. (laughs) Probably not the best delivery. (laughs) Fair enough. But that is Lisa Rinna through and through. Yeah. That being said, I'm going to ask you another question because this pertains to their conversation the next night, the next morning. Do you think that Lisa Rinna has been a bad friend? I think she's been a neglectful friend, not a bad friend. Like, I feel like there were a lot of times where Lisa could have given Denise the heads up. We talked about that last week. This is what's going on. We talked about it last week. I think Lisa Rinna's been a neglectful friend, like not keeping their friendship in mind, which in my books makes her a bad friend. I think there are certain things that she's done that are bad friend things. Yeah. 
But I also feel like she's confused, right? Because here's the thing. If Denise, and we talked a little bit about this before, but if Denise was last season Denise and this whole shit had hit the fan, I have no doubt that the girls would have rallied. Yeah. This comes after half a season of fucking batshit crazy Denise. So Lisa's not coming from a point of solid friendship. She's coming from a point of what the fuck is this? Like, I don't know what to trust. I don't know how I feel. I don't know how she feels. So I think she can be forgiven for getting some things wrong. Denise has not been been a good friend either. No, she's been a cunt. So I think, yeah, she's been a dick. But I felt, and I don't know, I wrote this down and I didn't know whether I was going to say it or not, but I am going to say, I do feel a little bit like Denise is gaslighting Lisa Rinna. Yeah. Like I would totally agree with while that. While I do think Lisa's made some bad choices in terms of their friendship, I'm with you. I don't think Denise has been anywhere near a good friend. Just because she can point to a couple of instances where she um, defended or, or she spoke up against Kyle while she was talking about Lisa. Right. That doesn't mean that Denise has been a good friend to Lisa. She's treated them all pretty terribly. Um, well, yeah, I feel like at that chat about like nudity in magazines and whatever, I mean, she brought up Lisa Rinna's stuff too. Like, well, just because you do this, like, would you tell your kids to do it or whatever? And she's like, actually, we're really open about sex with our kids because we've done all this stuff. Like, I feel like Denise has not been the most sensitive, really good friend to Lisa either. So, like, it, that whole conversation kind of bothered me because it's like, well, a friendship is two ways. And if you were being an amazing friend to her, then maybe Lisa would look really wrong. But you both have been fucked up. Well, and that's what bothered me. That's why I feel like it was kind of gaslighting. It fe- it made, it put everything on Lisa and Denise yeah. took no accountability for how she's behaved or the way she's treated Lisa. And And you could see it really broke Lisa. You know, it yeah. really broke her. And that made me feel very uncomfortable. I didn't like it at all. And and it's yet another reason why I just can't stand Denise. And then as if all of this deny, deny, deny wasn't bad enough, we have these weird fucking confessionals from Denise. These confessionals, she would literally contradict what she had just said in the episode. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like... It just it just added all the stuff to me that I just think Denise is lying about the whole thing. Ultimately, I don't give a shit who Denise Richards sleeps with. I don't care. I care more about the talking shit about everybody, which I feel like she's 100% done. And if she would have just owned up to it, the very fucking beginning when it was brought up, we would not be dealing with the same old, frankly, it's getting kind of boring conversation. Right. And the thing is, it's none of their business whether she slept with Brandy Glanville or not. It just isn't, you know, it, and, no. I, and we had this conversation. I think it's really interesting that the accusation is that she slept with another woman because I feel like the women aren't taking that as seriously. If the accusation was that she'd slept with another man, I think all the women would be very protective of that. But for some reason, because it's another woman, they're not taking this idea that this accusation could really negatively affect her marriage, her kids. It it doesn't seem like as real. It seems a bit like more fun and salacious than it does if it was a man. And I think that that's a problem that the girls need to really address. 
I totally agree with you. And I think there is a lack of thought process that like, this is a real family who's on the other side of possibly being destroyed by this. Where I think the actual problem that the girls have lie is with the the shit she was talking about them. I think that's what hurt their feelings first. That's all they really care about. And I think if Denise had addressed that and been like, you know what? You guys really pissed me off. So I talked a lot of shit about you to my friend Brandy. I'm sorry she's, you know, also said all this other shit. That's neither here nor there. I'm sorry for talking shit about you. I actually don't feel that way. Or I do feel that way and I've just never told you. Fine. Those are the actual issues of this whole thing. Who gives a fuck who she's sleeping with? Nobody cares. Other than the family and the people involved. No, exactly. I 100% agree. And I hope that the girls start to realize that actually this discussion about Brandy isn't a good look on anybody because it's none of their fucking business. Yes, if she slagged Mm -hmm. them off, then fine, it's their business. But the reality is we're never going to know the truth. We're never going to know. So let's leave it. It's her business. Let her deal with it. And let's get on with the fucking show. Absolutely. Here, here. Just before we leave, I would like to chat very briefly about the Garcelle and Rinna conversation that happened in the nightclub about... Because Rinna does these things where she dances in underwear or in a swimsuit on Instagram. Um, Right. And I truly believe that her inspiration, like her impetus for that is, is about confidence and owning your own shit and doing all of that. I think a lot of people will say it's easy to do that when you look like Rinna. I actually, I'm going to put it out there. I think Rinna looks great. Do I think she looks sexy? She's not, no, if I was into girls, I want a little bit more meat on my, that's what I want. But yeah, fair play to her. But I think that what Garcelle, so hang on, what, what is it actually that Garcelle says to Lisa? I believe that I heard Garcelle say, do you think your videos contributed to your daughter having anorexia? And while I can understand the context of the question that she's asking. Essentially what she ends up implying is, are you responsible for your child's anorexia? Right. Like you're skinny, fairly naturally or whatever, very, very thin. Do you think your body has made your daughter have an eating disorder? Which is so fucked up. Not even just your body. But your actions, but like you, the way that you yeah. flaunt it and do all of this. Right. Uh, you know, and I think putting that in the context of a mother being responsible for her kid's anorexia is absolutely wrong. Now, I would like to think that Garcelle just got it wrong. But the more so, I see of Garcelle. Yeah. The more I, I think. Sh- go on. Sorry, go no, ahead. No, 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 you go. I feel like. Where Garcelle's mind was at was more about, you know, unrealistic body images in social media. Do you think that is what contributes to people having eating disorders? I think that's the real conversation that probably should have happened. Because I think Lisa would be the first person to be like, probably. Like, we all need to be more inclusive of people's bodies, blah, blah, blah. That's how that conversation could have gone. The way she put it was so fucking damaging and really pissed me off because it's mom shaming, it's fucking, it's body shaming. Like, you know, she should, because she's naturally skinny, Lisa should always be covered up as to not give people eating disorders, which is totally fucking false. Um, it, 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 
really damaging on mental health and body image. Well, the and I way think Garcelle if you, put that question. And also she isolates it, right? Because Lisa Rinna doesn't just dance on, in her underwear on Instagram and go, you can be like me too if you exercise and eat like, and eat really well. She doesn't do that. No. It's all about body confidence. It's all about self-esteem. It's all about being yourself. And so I feel like they've taken that really out of control. And Lisa can't, I mean, Lisa, Lisa can't help what she looks like. I mean, of course, to a certain extent, she, you know, she could yeah. eat a ton of donuts and put on some weight but essentially (laughs) her body is a body and I don't like I know that we've gone a long way in making sure that curvy more realistic figures are visible but I think a certain unfortunate backlash of that is that skinny people whether it's naturally or not whatever have suddenly felt quite silenced like they can't be part of that conversation because they're skinny so what have they got to talk about or complain about Right. And I think this conversation with Garcelle really plays into so many tricky issues that she should have been smart enough to fucking think about before she put out there like that. A hundred percent. It's almost skinny shaming, right? Like you look that way. So therefore, like I said earlier, you're responsible to make other people feel better about their bodies and cover your shit up. Like that's not what body positivity is about. It's about everybody being comfortable with whatever fucking body they have and doing their own thing with it. And that's all okay. Well, it's all okay. It's like saying, you know, say my daughter grows up to be an alcoholic. God help me. I hope she doesn't say she does. Well, is it my fault because she saw me drinking? You know, it, it just, right. It doesn't, nobody's responsible for anybody else's addictions, mental health issues, no. whatever. It's, and for Garcelle to imply that that might be the case is really, really damaging. Absolutely. Absolutely. We are on the same page with that. It'll be interesting to see. I don't know. I haven't heard anything about like, like that backlash has not reached any sort of social media. Oh, whatsoever. I heard fans are demanding Garcelle apologize to Lisa Renner. Really? Oh, I haven't seen the that. picture I used on the story to. for the poll. That was from that article. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I would agree with those fans. I think she does owe her an apology and she owes Amelia an apology as well. I agree. I super damaging to her mental health and her addictions and what she's going through as well. Um, right. Let's do the final show. Let's move over to New York. Uh, well, actually Mexico where Dorinda and Luan are proving once again that they're basically fucking teflon when it comes to hangovers it blows my mind (laughs) i could drink half of what they drank and be in bed wishing the world was over for the next two days (laughs) and these women are like up like ready to work out with like trainers like up and perky and i think it holds hope for the future because i feel like when you're young you can bounce back from hangovers and then you go through a period from like 35 through to maybe 50 where you're fucking crippled (laughs) and then i feel like maybe it becomes a bit more on the up again and actually you start to get a bit more resilient these women seem to prove that to me Maybe there's some link to hormone replacement and lack of hangovers. Maybe because like you're taking this hormone replacement function because like you're hitting menopause and your estrogen is going down and people are actually looking at that shit and making sure you're balanced out. Maybe that immediately eliminates hangovers. Maybe that, but also maybe without any drug interference, maybe it's just that your fucking kids have grown up and all you have to do is get yourself out of bed in the morning. Maybe it's that. That 100% could be it. That's Like you've lived a life where it's just, you're just looking after you now again because your kids are grown in a way. 
And it doesn't matter that you're 25 years older. You've had like 20 years of fucking hard graft. So even though you're older, this feels like a fucking holiday. Maybe that's what it is. We've solved the secret. It's a parenting win, really. That's what you get for being a parent. So we need to book in a date for when we're 50 to get absolutely fucking mash up. (laughs) I'm there. Okay. We will do that. Good to know. Um, And then they go to breakfast and fucking all hell breaks loose again. Christ. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. And you and I were talking about this. I don't know if like I side with Sonia and Leah on this because as somebody who works for themselves, there are occasions where I'm on vacation and something comes in and I have to deal with it. It's, it's part of also having the privilege of not having to work all the time. It's just the way it is sometimes. Leah was just sitting there nicely at the table all by herself, checking her emails. Sonia came and joined her just to do her own work. They were just working. Everything was fine. Until the other ladies joined and start screaming, screaming at them. Well, and it's Dorinda. Yeah. Yeah. Talking, I say ladies. Talking of yeah. menopause and HRT... Ramona brings this up. Maybe this is what Dorinda's going through. I don't know. I've never been there. I know it can really fuck with you. We all know the power of hormones. But her, I mean, she's, she's off the reservation. Yes. She's like one to a thousand in the blink of an eye. And it's terrifying. And what's interesting is I think this episode really shows that people aren't just like noticing it. It's starting to affect other people's mojo. Totally. You know, we see them go out for dinner that night and Dorinda's not there and they all have just a really great time. And, they, and all of them in confessionals note that there was just no fucking shouting. Like Dorinda wasn't here to make everybody miserable. Yeah. So it's, it starts, it's going to become a huge issue. Absolutely. I mean, because Dorinda started screaming... Leah just closed her laptop. Like, the problem was done. And then she had the issue with Sonia, and Sonia just left and, like, took care of it. That should have been the end of it, but it wasn't. Like, she just kept banging on about it. It's like, it, people were not trying to be rude to you. They were just sitting here doing their thing. Like, it's like vacation, man. I'm so excited to see this reunion because I'd love to see what Dorinda's response is to kind of how she sees herself behaving, but also how she sees everybody else talking about her. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. Like, I wonder, because they've started recording it now. They've started doing the reunion now, because it's going to be in person. And they've all got those fabulous masks. But um, I think it'll be interesting, because I I don't think there is going to be any self-reflection on her behalf. Like, I hope I'm wrong, but I don't think I'm going to be wrong. I think she's just going to be like, well, they were rude. I can't wait. I don't know. I don't know. I sort of hope there is, but I'm an eternal optimist. Um. Leah and Luann pick up a couple of dudes to go out for dinner. I love that Leah gets lucky. Oh, man. Some sexy Canadians walking around on the beach in Mexico there that just happen to be single. I know. I love that they were like, they're not gay boy shorts. So true. Absolutely weren't. They were definitely hetero shorts if ever I saw them. Um, 100%. But I love that Leah gets lucky. I I mean, she also wets the bed. That's, that's, I've never, have you ever wet the bed drunk? No, I mean, I've laughed so hard I've peed myself. Oh, like, I've that's a fairly common that. thing yeah. once you have two kids naturally and you're in your late 30s. I've never peed the bed, ever. No, but I think it is a thing. I, but not, I've not really heard of girls getting hammered and peeing the bed. I think it's, no. of, it's often quite a thing with 
certain guys who get really hammered their thing is they pee the bed um yeah but bless her she has a good time pees the bed she says she had and she said she didn't sleep with them they just made out a whole bunch and then she sent him on her his, on his way mer- which i think is perfect for her i That's think exactly so what she i think she's really good with her kind of boundaries and i mean i don't know she's probably really terrible with her boundaries in men um but she has a good night and then they head out for dinner and then the next day after dorinda has recovered somewhat they head to see yes the shaman I thought those cra- those caves were incredible. I would have a hundred percent gone down that rope into that water. It looked amazing. And then to see the bats and the colors, I can't imagine why you would say no to that experience. It looked no like a fucking church of nature. Oh yeah, I like if I go to Mexico again, I will go and do that. It's on our list. Maybe. Like every time we watch yeah. certain shows where certain amazing things come up, it's like, let's add that to the list. We're going to do that shit too. Um, it Absolutely. did look amazing. And I loved that Leah did it, even though she was scared. And hilariously, like she's the youngest one there. She should have been first up, but I love that she's yeah. a big fat wuss when it comes to heights. Me too. I hated the fact that Ramona gave her nonstop shit about how scared she was, yet Ramona was never going to even be doing it anyways. Well, let's, Ramona's an asshole. Let's get on to Ramona because I have played devil's avocado for Ramona. Relentlessly. For, relentlessly. I've really tried <laughs> my best because there has been part of me that has seen a, a glimmer of humanity in her. I really struggled to find that today. She She was just so mean to her. She's so mean to her. And I think it was really clear today because obviously they go to lunch after the caves and after her shit fit in the morning at breakfast about everybody being on their phones or on laptops at at the table, Dorinda decides to answer a call at the table. Now, granted, it's from her daughter. And if your daughter calls you, you should always fucking answer the phone if you can. God, yes. Luann puts it brilliantly. If you've caused that kind of fuss at breakfast, Take the phone call away from the table. Nobody would have cared. If you got up and left to talk to Hannah, nobody would have given two shits. It all would have been fine. Um, Ramona, on the other hand, takes this as an opportunity to sort of instantaneously sort of start this intervention, which Dorinda's response to freaked me right the fuck out. I don't know if it, it was dark, right? It was dark. I mean, Ramona gave her, you know, she sort of hung us, gave a rope, enough rope to yeah. hang herself. But Dorinda was just like cold, mean, gaslighting. I mean, gaslighting to the max. Yeah. Yeah. Had that propane turned way up, had those matches going. It was, it was really dark. And don't get me wrong, nothing fire. about what Ramona was doing was, was legit. But the point was legit. And then Leah tries to put in her two pence and Ramona turns around and very clearly says, shh, let us talk. Like the adults are talking, sweetie. Really Be there and be silent. Yeah. And then lays into her for not saying anything. 
Leah can do no right with Ramona. And this is my whole, this is like my entire issue with their, their dynamic. I feel like Ramona feels she's the all powerful, like matriarch and whatever she says, however she feels on a certain day is how Leah needs to behave. And Leah's a fucking grown ass woman that runs her own business and is incredibly successful. Ramona can fuck right off. Well, and this is what you I love about Leah. She's way. very quietly successful. Like we don't hear. Yeah anything about her business like if i've done some research so i know what it is but you wouldn't know if you hadn't looked beyond it she's very quietly getting on with fucking bossing it and i think that intimidates ramona i think it bothers her that leah is successful in her own right even though she's half her age um yeah i'm starting to actually see what Ramona is doing to Leah, which isn't maternal at all. It's more like bring her in close so that I can control her. And I'm yeah. sorry and I didn't see that before, it. but I've finally I th- seen the light. Yeah, and I think that's what really bothers me about her because it's it's a game, right? Like she brings her close and then she pushes her away and then brings her close and then pushes her away. And it's like, if that's your like your mothering relationship, I fucking feel bad for, isn't her name Avery? Yeah. Like, I hope you don't treat Avery this way because it's going to give her a real fucked up sense of like relationships and closeness and whatever. It is. It's really dark. Um, so gross. Anyway, that is us for this week. Thank you so much for sticking with us. We will be back, of course, next week. In the meantime, please, please, please make sure that you rate and review us. It is the single most important factor in helping us get up the charts, which is the single most important factor in getting us visible. Um, So if you want us to keep doing what we're doing, then just go and rate and review. Yeah, it's free. Just hop over there on iTunes. You don't even have to use your real name. Make up a name. It's totally fine make up an email address whatever you need to do do whatever you like i don't yeah. care but just no pop a little five star fucking review in there and we'll do a happy dance we might even film a Absolutely. happy dance at some point and post it for you yeah we'll have to start getting on that uh but in the meantime thank you for listening and remember smart people watch reality tv too bye-bye bye Please subscribe, rate, and review TV My Husband Hates wherever you listen to your podcast. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at TV My Husband Hates and join the Facebook group to keep the conversation going when the podcast ends. If Twitter's your thing, you'll find us at TV Husbands Hate. Theme music and production for TV My Husband Hates is by Jimmy Sims. Oh, 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 oh